Chapter 9 of Letters on an Elk Hunt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Carroll. Letters on an Elk Hunt by Eleanor Pruitt Stewart. Chapter 9 An Indian Camp. Cloudcrest, October 13, 1914 dear dear mrs coney this is the very last letter you will receive dated from this camp we are leaving a few days earlier than we intended and i am pretty badly on the fence i want to laugh and really i can hardly keep back the tears we are leaving sooner than we meant for rather a good reason we haven't one bite to eat except elk meat after the men had brought into camp the elk we killed the other afternoon, they began to plan a sheep hunt. As sheep do not stay in the woods, the men had to go miles away and above timberline. They decided to take a pack horse and stay all night. I didn't want Mr. Stewart to go because the climbing is very dangerous. No accidents have happened this year, but last season a man fell from the crags and was killed, so I tried to keep the good man at home. But he would not be persuaded. The love of chase has entered his blood, and it looks to me as if it had chased reason plumb out of his head. I know exactly how Samantha felt when Josiah would go to the pleasure exertion. The bald spot on Stuart's head doesn't seem to remind him of years gone by. He is as joyous as a boy. It was finally decided to take Mrs. O'Shaughnessy and the children and myself to a neighboring camp about two miles away, as we didn't like to risk being frightened by a possible intruder. Sorensen, the game warden, was in camp to inspect our game on the 12th, and he told us he was on the trail of tooth hunters and had routed them out on the night of the storm. But what they could have been doing in our camp was as much a mystery to him as to us. Well, when we were ready to go, Mr. Murray and the steward escorted us. It was a cloudy afternoon, and often great flakes of snow fell gently, softly, the snow was already about 18 inches deep, and it made sheep hunting slippery and dangerous work. On our way, we came upon an Indian camp. They were all huddled about a tiny fire. Scattered about were their wickiups made of sticks and pine boughs. The Indians were sullen and angry. The game warden had ordered them back to Fort Wessicky, where they belonged. Their squaws had jerked their elk. You may not know what jerked means, so I will explain. It means dried, cured. They had all they were allowed, but for some reason they didn't want to go. Sorensen suspects them of being in with the tooth hunters, and he is narrowing the circle. At the camp where we were to stay, we found Mrs. Cavanaugh laid up with a sore throat, but she made us welcome. It would be a mighty funny camper who wouldn't. As soon as the men from the Kavanaugh camp heard our men's plans, they were eager to go along. So it ended in us three women being left alone. We said we were not afraid, and we tried not to feel so. 
but after dark we all felt a little timorous. Mrs. Kavanaugh was afraid of the Indians, but I was afraid they would bring Clyde back dead from a fall. We were camped in an old cabin built by the ranger. The Kavanaugh's were short of groceries. We cooked our big elk steaks on sticks before an open fire, and we roasted potatoes in the ashes. When our fear wore away, we had a fine time. After a while, we lay down on fragrant beds of pine. We awoke late. The fire was dead upon the hearth, and outside the snow was piling up. Mrs. O'Shaughnessy made a rousing fire and managed to jolly us until we had a really happy breakfast hour. About three in the afternoon, all the men came trooping in, cold, wet, and hungry. After filling them with venison, hot potatoes, and coffee, we started to our own camp. The men were rather depressed because they had come back empty-handed. The Indians were gone, and the snow lay thick over the place where their fire had been. They had left in the night. When we came to camp, Mr. Struble started to build a fire, but no matches were to be had. Next, the men went to feed grain to their tired horses, but the oats were gone. Mr. Murray sought in vain for his beloved accordion. Mr. Harkrudder was furious when he found his grinding machine was gone. Mrs. O'Shaughnessy made a dash for the grub box. It was empty. We were dumbfounded. Each of us kept searching and researching and knowing all the while we would find nothing. Mr. Struble is a most cheerful individual and, as Mrs. O'Shaughnessy says, is a mighty good fellow even if he is Dutch. The Indians have stolen us out, he said. But after all, they have left us our tents and harness, all our meat, and the road home. So what matter if we are a little inconvenienced as to grub? Haynes may cry for sugar, but that won't hurt the rest any. I'll saddle and ride over to Scotty's and get enough to last us out. We knew the Kavanaugh's could not help us any, but we grew cheerful in anticipating help from Scotty who was from Green River, and was camped a few miles away. We wanted Mr. Struble to wait until morning, but he said no, it would make breakfast late. So he rode off in the dark. At two o'clock this morning, he came in almost frozen, with two small cans of milk and two yeast cakes. As soon as it was light enough to see, the men were at work loading the game and breaking camp. As they are ready now to take down this tent, I will have to finish this letter somewhere else. End of chapter 9